welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. Alright. Well, everyone doing well? Right, yes, we are going to continue our series called No Ordinary Family. Now, who would agree that so far this has been No Ordinary Series? Anyone? Come on. Anyone got anything out of it? I've got stacks out of it. Both preparing and listening to the sermons, I tell you, I am in love all over again with the richness of God's Word. Now, for those of you who are new, it's great to have you here, but I'm just going to give you a little recap of where we've been. Is that all right? Now, the book of Ruth tells a story of a family who wanted a better life for themselves. So they leave their country of origin and they go somewhere else. But things go from bad to worse. The father dies and his two sons die. And the mother is left alone with her two daughters-in-law. However, she hears that things are going better in their country, so she goes back. And one of her daughters named Ruth shows amazing commitment and faithfulness and returns back with her. And there she finds favour with a man called Boaz. Everyone say Boaz. I love that name. Fantastic. And she finds out that he is her kinsman redeemer. Now, that is an old Hebrew practice, which simply means that a widower could marry her deceased, deceased, not deceased, (laughs) could have been deceased. Maybe that's why he died. Who knows? But she could marry her deceased husband's nearest relative so that he could take care of her. Now, so she realizes that this man is her kinsman redeemer, and Ruth, so Naomi, as we heard this morning, does a bit of a matchmaking and says to her basically this go and offer yourself to him as his wife. And that's where we pick up the story tonight. Ooh, nice. You're with me. Very good. Now, are we, um, I'm going to read the scripture where we take this from. However, before I do that, I need to set the scene. This is important, okay? Now, talk about Boaz. It is party time at Boaz's house. It is party time. They are rocking. They are partying hard. They are jumping higher than this dude was because the harvest is over. The harvest is in. The harvest was successful. They've been working really hard, and so they're celebrating. They, they They are kicking their heels. They are letting their hair down. This is the end of year office party. This is school this week. Come on, they've been working hard all year and they're celebrating and probably just as messy as well. This is the end of 40 season trip. Some of you have been there. Now this is messy, this is hard, this is rocking and this is where we pick up the story from, okay? Now the first part says this, when Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. I want you to see this tonight. So here's this man, Boaz. He just had a great night. He's had a few drinks. I don't, I don't believe he was drunk um, because of his reaction afterwards, and you'll see what I mean by that. But he was tired. He was laid down. He was laying down. I was going to get a Boaz tonight, but I thought that could get messy. So just picture it. Can you see him? You see Boaz laying down here. Yes? So I get Emery to lay down, but I thought, no way. That would just be destructive. Sit down, mate. Sorry. <laughs> then I thought of Baz because it sort of rhymes Boaz, Baz... But I thought, yeah, no, better not either. So can you say good night to Boaz? He's had a big night. He's been partying hard. He's celebrating. He's had a great night. Oh, sorry, guys. Sorry, Boaz. So it's right there. Now, the next, next part of the scripture says this. 
Ruth approached quietly. Okay, remember she's acting on the advice of Naomi. So can you imagine this young lady? She's a little bit younger than him. She's done up to her 90s. She walks in. She's being obedient. <laughs> BC. So I was going to say that he'd been partying like it was 1999 BC, but that's okay. She's up, approaching, sees Boaz. I've been celebrating as well, yes. And this is the next part it says, it says he, she uncovered his feet and lay down. And you just picture this man laying there. Ruth comes in, uncovers his feet, and just lays down next to him. Can you imagine how she'd be feeling right then? She's a bit younger. She's very virtuous. We know she's virtuous. She's hardworking. She's being obedient. And there's this man that she does like. But she's doing something very, very strange. She's acting out of faithfulness. Her mother-in-law had just said to her, look, do this. Go and lay by his feet and follow my very careful instructions. So she lays there. And there's Boaz there. And then it says, in the middle of the night, something startled the man. He turned, and there was a woman laying at his feet. Now, I don't know about you, but that's never happened to me. <laughs> I've never had a, a strange person in, in my room and wakes me up. Uh, well, I've had a whole bunch of people, but that's another story. That's, a, that's another preach altogether. And so she, she startles him. And it says here, at midnight... I think it's just freaky. That means that she would have been laying there for a long time. She's walked in and she's just thinking, she doesn't know what's going to happen. She was just told that everything would be okay. She's just laying there. He wakes up and I think he asks a very, very pertinent question. Who are you? Who the heck? He wants to know who she is. She could have been anybody. Could have been one of his drunken mates getting in there by mistake. Um, <laughs> Could have been, could have been anybody. So he asked, he's got no idea what's going on. I don't think that's important. He's had a great night. He's laying down. He's single. He's tired. And then this chick gets in his bed and she has to ask, who are you? And then Ruth answers with this. And I think this is very, very important. She says, I am your servant, Ruth. Spread your, the corner of your garment over me since you are a guardian redeemer of my family. Now, that's really important because it was also an ancient Hebrew practice for when a man wanted to marry somebody to spread a garment over them. It was a public declaration of his intentions to want to marry her. And she's saying to him, will you do this for me? Effectively, she's saying, will you ask me to marry me? She is proposing to him that he proposes to her. He's, she's gone out, bought the ring and said, here you go, I've got a present for you. He's opened that up, he's, ah! <laughs> Didn't think, well, were this serious? That's what he's saying to her. That's what she says. Now, what was Boaz's reaction to all this? I mean, it's pretty full on. This young, virtuous, vulnerable lady walks into his room and uh, what could actually be his reaction? That's going to be the focus of my message tonight because it's really important. And I can summarize his reaction with one word. This is how he treats her. He treats her with love. He loves her. He doesn't love her the way that some of us might interpret. He loves her with a pure, 
holy, righteous, reverent love, a real love. She might have slipped under, her, under his covers to propose to him that he proposes to her and basically asked him, ask me to be your wife. But he responds by covering her with his love, with his perfect love, with a righteous love. That's why tonight I have called my message, Love Covers. And we're going to look at exactly what real, pure, wholesome love actually covers. And as we see Boaz reacting like this, I think that we can learn a lot from it, especially as blokes and also as ladies, so you know what to look for in a man who's going to offer you real love. Now, one of the things that we see is this, that... Love covers with God's presence. Love covers with God's presence. Look at his reaction. When he finds out who she is, he says to her, The Lord bless you, my daughter. The Lord bless you, my daughter. Here's this man, like I said, in his mid-40s, thereabouts, single, in a very, very festive mood, a very happy, successful man. And here's this young lady, looking incredible, smelling incredible, doing her best to impress him. And what's his reaction to her? He prays for her. He blesses her. Now, come on. How many people here would probably think that something else would have happened there and then? But there is, there's no, you know, I'm going to have a quick fix here tonight. There's no, I'm going to scratch a niche here. You know, there's, there's no, I'm going to try before I buy. No, he actually covers her with righteousness. He prays for her. He brings God into the picture. He brings God into the situation. He's so in tune with his father, with what's right. He's so in tune with God that he brings God into the picture and he covers her with his presence. I think that's awesome. I think that's an awesome reaction. He brings her in. And I think it's an example that we can follow because we too have been called to spread the fragrance of God everywhere we go. We are called to cover other people with his presence as well. And I think we can learn a lot from his incredible reaction to this girl who had offered himself to him. I think we can learn very simply what he does. I think that we can do as well. He prays for her. That's how we can cover people. With, with his presence, we can pray for people. How many times do you want to pray for people and cover them with God's incredible presence? That's why we have a prayer meeting here in, in the mornings. That's why we have prayer meetings here once a month because we believe it's a value of ours that prayer covers people with God's presence. And that's what Boaz does for this young lady. His prayer covers her with God's presence. He says, God bless you, my daughter. And right now, I'm covering my children with God's presence. Even as from now, I'm praying. I've got four children at the age of seven, and I'm praying, even as from now, for their spouses. I'm praying that they marry godly spouses, people that they're going to fulfill all of God's plans and purposes for them. My simple prayer is this. God, give my children people who would love Jesus. And most importantly, my second part of that prayer is, let them prove to me that they love Jesus. Otherwise, it's no deal. It's not happening. That's why I say my children, okay, you want to meet that person, date that person? Do they love Jesus? Good, yes, okay, great. Now get them to prove it to me. If they can do that, then you can date them. But that's just my little thing. And that's what I'm praying. That's what I'm praying for. So he covers her with prayer. He also covers her by being a godly example. He doesn't react like the way that we thought he could have reacted. He reacts in a virtuous manner, keeping God's presence in mind, and he covers her with God's presence by his sheer example. With the way that he just looks at her and says, No, my daughter, God bless you. God bless you. I'm going to pray for you. 
Thank you for what you've done. I'm going to pray for you. That's how we can also cover people with God's presence, by, by being a good example. Just uh, last week, uh, one of the young ones asked me, what do you think about going to parties? I just don't know if I should go to parties. Because things happen there that I don't believe in. Things happen there that aren't healthy. And I think my answer to that is because I'm going to do with this. It's like, oh, I don't know if I can say, yes, you can go to parties. No, you can go to parties. But if you go, can you do what Boaz did? Can you be a Boaz at that party? Can you neglect everything that's around you? Can you ward it all off? Can you shield it off from influencing you? And can you instead release God's presence in that party? Are you able to do that? I believe that if you're truly, really able to do that, to not be infected by what's going on, but infecting others with God's presence, then it's your choice. However, if you're not able to do that and the opposite happens, then it's your choice again, but it wouldn't be a wise choice. I was talking to somebody else that I worked with about gambling, the whole thing about gambling. They were saying to me, well, you know, what about going to the casino? Is, is that bad as a Christian? Well, I don't know if it's bad as a Christian. Can you not have a limit on how much you bet? Lose your house, lose your health, lose your family. If that happens to you, then it's not wise. Okay, if you've got a small amount that you bet and, and if you blow that, then, then, then you move on, then again, it's up to you. But what's important is that we do what Boaz does wherever we go and that we are able to set an example and cover others with God's presence. So ask yourself, can you react like this man did? I think that's a crucial example for us to be able to follow. So as we discover from this man, real love, true love covers with God's presence. Young men, you need to be able to do that. If you're going to be true to God and true to your calling, Whenever a lady, whenever a woman makes herself available to you, or you know, you know that, that there is an interest there, I would say, look at this incredible example and begin to pray for her. Really, really pray for her. I know I did that. I think I said a few weeks ago that when I first saw my then not wife, Nicola, gee, that's a terrible sentence. But when I first saw Nicola, my wife, who now, anyway, you know, I felt like, yes, I'm going to marry that. It was like a natural thing. I'm going to marry this girl. You know, and I just started praying. So I go, God, you know, just make this happen. God, reveal this to me. Reveal it to her. It would be very important as well. You know, but I, I really went in, into fierce prayer about this because I want everything to work out really well. And I encourage you young men to do the same. Do the same. Release God's presence on the person that you're interested in or has got your interest. Amen? Okay. Let's have a look at what else Boaz does because I think it's fantastic. Um, we see through his example that... Real love also covers with righteousness, with real, good old-fashioned, godly righteousness. Just read this portion of Scripture with me. He then says to her, This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You have not run after younger men, whether rich or poor, and now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. All the people of my town know that you are a woman of noble character. Although it is true that I am a guardian redeemer of our family, there is another who is more closely related than I. Stay here the night and in the morning. If he wants to do his duty as your guardian redeemer, good. Let him redeem you. But if he's not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lay here until morning. So she lay at his feet until morning but got up before anyone could be recognized. 
And he said, no one must know that a woman came to the threshing floor. There's so much that we can uh, glean from this, but we're going to just look at a few things about how this is an incredible covering with absolute righteousness from this man to this lady. He co- it's, an, it's an incredible response. Now, we see before how Boaz covers her with God's presence, and now we're seeing how he wants to do everything the right way. His, God's righteousness is foremost in his mind. It's foremost in his strategy. It's foremost in his thinking and in his feeling and the way that he's going to deal with his young lady. Now, I just want to give you a definition of, of righteousness because I think it's, it's important that we're on the same page. But I found this definition, which I think is fantastic. It's by a, a theologian called John Piper. And he says this about God's righteousness. It is the zeal for doing what is good and right. A zeal for doing what is fitting when God is taken into account as sovereign and merciful. And this is how Boaz reacts. He covers her with righteousness because, again, that's what we're called to do. It is our responsibility to also spread God's righteousness in every situation. And like him, irrespective of what he may be feeling, thinking of the circumstance or of the girl that's approaching him, he takes a step back, looks to his God and says, I'm going to react the way God wants me to react, irrespective of my feelings or the circumstance or the temptation. I'm going to do only what is right and what is fitting in the sight of God. Let's have a look at what he does. One of the things that he does is this. He looks beyond the outward appearance. Look at what he says. He says, this kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. He doesn't see a gorgeous girl straight away. He doesn't see a vulnerable young lady in his bedroom. He doesn't see that. What's the first thing that he notices? Her kindness. He sees her kindness. He sees past the immediate appearance. He sees past all the circumstances, all the situation, his feelings, her feelings, and sees the real person. Sees the person behind the situation. Looks beyond and sees beyond the mere appearance of this young lady and sees her kindness. That's incredible. That's incredible righteousness there and then. See the person. See who they are. See their virtues. See that. That's, that's, I believe, an act of righteousness. Then he says this, you've not run after younger men, whether rich or poor. Now, that's great because that tells me that he doesn't think more of himself than, we, than he ought to. And I touched touch on that this morning. That some guys need, I'll go a step further as we talked, and some guys actually need a revelation as to how ugly they are because their list is too high. You know, the, you know the subway guy before and after shots? You're the before shot. Okay, that's how we see you. You need to take more care of yourself as far as your humility is concerned and not have your, not, not, not have your standards so high that they're unattainable. Now, he realizes that there were younger men. He realizes there were stronger men, better looking men perhaps. But he doesn't see this girl coming up to him and said, Huh, gee, of course you're after me. Of course, how could you resist? Come on, baby. He sees her and says his, her kindness and also realizes, you know, the reality is I probably wasn't the best catch or I wouldn't be most people's first choice. But I've become your first choice. And I think that's incredibly humble. And I think that's, that's an appealing quality. 
I think that's something that we can learn from, from as men as well. Let's, let's be humble when somebody does show us some kind of attention or some kind of interest. And let's not say, well, hang on, you don't really fit every single description in my, in my list here. I don't know about that. No, see the person and just get to know them and see what happens for who they are. So I, I believe that's an incredible righteous response. He then also says this, all the people of my town know that you are a woman of noble character. He encourages her. He takes time to also encourage her in this situation. He prays for her. He sees who she is. And then he says, you've got a great reputation. Everybody knows that you're a wonderful lady. Everyone knows that you're a great girl. Isn't that amazing? He actually takes time to be encouraging. Men and women, girls, let's encourage each other. When you find that person, men, who, who here agrees with me, blokes, we need affirmation. Come on. Who's, I reckon most blogs, that, that is one of our love languages. And I tell you, that, that is gold for, for young ladies. If you, if you, want, some, you want to get someone's interest, certainly appeal to them. Just, just tell them how strong they are, how brave they are, how, whatever. You know? Just, just begin, begin to affirm them because men need that. And women need it as well. And I think he, this is something that we can learn from, from him. He begins to encourage her and say, you are a virtuous person with an incredible reputation. That's an amazing covering, I believe, of absolute righteousness. He encourages her in that situation. Then he says this, Although it is true that I am a guardian redeemer of our family, there is another who is more closely related than I. So he considers the law. Remember I said to you before that uh, redeeming simply meant that you could marry uh, a close relative of your dead husband. Now he realizes that you can do that, but there's somebody else closer. Now he's saying to her, we will not proceed any further until we deal with this righteously and until I sort this out with that person. Now he could have taken advantage of the situation, but he says, no, I'm going to uphold God's requirements. I'm going to uphold God's righteousness. I'm going to do what God requires, to, requires me to do in this situation. I am not going to take advantage of you. I'm going to look at the law, look at that requirement and say, no, I'm going to deal with that person first. That's holding God's account. That's holding God's precepts. That's holding God's requirements first and foremost in your heart and enacting on them. He covers her with an incredible, incredible righteousness. Then he says this. So she lay down at his feet until morning, but got up before anyone could be recognized. And he said, no one must know that a woman came to the threshing floor. That to me speaks of protection. He protects her. He doesn't go to the pub or whatever, or the tavern, whatever they had back then, and start bragging to his mates about it. Oh, you see this young lady coming into my, my threshing floor. You know, no, that doesn't even enter his mind. He actually says, no, I don't want anyone to know that you came here. You've got a great reputation. I'm going to protect that. He offers full, real protection. And there's nothing more appealing than that. Now, because young men, we can learn from this because it's not just enough, I believe, to protect a young lady's chastity. We also have to protect her reputation as well. And that's what Boaz is doing here. No one must know that you were here because we know how people talk. We know how people think. We know what they say. And your reputation is too precious. It's too precious to me. And I am not going to taint that. I'm going to protect that reputation. So no one must know. You will leave here in the morning and no one must know that you were here. 
That's why we encourage people to, you know, when you see each other, see each other in groups. Don't see each other alone when it's too late at night. I mean, there are those temptations, but also, you, fellas, you want to protect the reputation of the young lady that you're interested in, that you're seeing. It's crucially important. You're showing righteousness, you're showing respect, and you're showing real protection. Let's learn from this, from this man. What an incredible response. He covers her with God's presence, covers her with real godly righteousness. Something else that we learn from Boaz tonight is that he goes on to cover her with provision. True love covers with provision. He says this, Bring me the shawl you are wearing and hold it out. When she did so, he poured into it six measures of barley and placed the bundle on her. Then he went back to town. There's an incredible response. He doesn't want it to go send her empty-handed. He wants to show her that he can provide. And he provides for her and her mother-in-law. She, he fills her with some of the bounties, some, some of the harvest, and says, here, take it away. I'm going to provide for you. Gentlemen, I did a little bit of research, and I'll tell you, one of the things that ladies look for is for a man who can provide. And I believe that is a God-given mandate, that is a God-given desire that we all have. I tr- I'm very old-fashioned in that sense. I truly believe that men should provide for their wives. And men, if you want to be attractive, show that you can provide. Show that you can get a job. Show that you can, get, you can keep a job. If you, don't, if you don't have a job, learn to read, learn to write, whatever it ne- you need to do to get a job and show that you can provide. I love what Pete said so wonderfully last week in terms of working, that we are called to work. And we, we, we need to work for many reasons. And I believe that's one of them to show and to prepare ourselves for marriage. I believe this is one of the greatest preparation for marriage, showing that you can commit to this, to this job and showing that you can actually protect and provide for somebody. We need to show to be able to do that. I, my, um, my stepmom said to me this when I asked her about her work. Well, she was a factory worker. Uh, she cleaned a factory, factory floor for 35 years. And uh, I said to her, don't you think it's time for something else? I mean, you know, and I started talking to her about her job and you know, implying that, you know, maybe she was starting to get beneath her a little bit. And this is how she, and I'll never forget, this is me growing up, I'll never forget, she goes to me, you know, working is a privilege. I don't care what I do, the fact that I can work is an absolute privilege. And I, mean, I sweeping a factory floor, Never heard her complain, never heard her whinge about it, never took a sickie. She just went on and on and on because she believed that it was a privilege to be able to work. And I think that's something that we can learn from Boaz here, that we need to be able to show that we are people and men that can provide, that can protect, and that can hold a job to be able to provide for our wives. We need to be able to show that. I heard this teaching a while ago from another preacher. I'm not quite sure who it was. I'm not going to name them um, in case I get it wrong, but it became part of something that I truly desire now. And I'm going to share it with you. It sounds a little bit odd to begin with, okay? But just, just hear me out. But I just, it's just become part of my conviction, something that I pray for as well. I don't know if God will grant it to me. He's got a plan, but it's up to him. But this, my prayer, prayer is this. I want to bury my wife. <laughs> I want to be there when my wife is buried. I didn't talk about how she was going to get there. Jeez, some people always assume the worst. Can I explain now? I'm obviously praying 
that it happens when we're into our 120s, at least. But I, wanna, I want to outlive my wife because I don't want her to spend one day without me encouraging her, protecting her, and providing for her. I don't know if that's a selfish point of view. I don't know if that's a selfish point of view. But I tell you, I see that as my God-given mandate right. And it is one of my biggest desires. I don't want my wife to ever spend another hour while she lives on God's earth without me. Encouraging her, protecting her, and providing for her. And the thought of me not being able to do that even for an hour absolutely destroys me. And I think the only way that that cannot happen is if I outlive her. I don't want to leave her for very long. Like I said, I want, to, I want us to live into our 120s. And, um, you know, when, when she goes to be with God, you know, maybe God hopefully takes me soon afterwards. But I, I, I believe that that's, that's something of what God wants for, for us as men. We've got to have that desire to, man, this is the woman, this is the lady that God has given me. I'm going to provide for her. I believe it is a biblical principle that we must hold on to and fight for and strive for, even if we don't have job satisfaction, as Pete said last week. He cares about job satisfaction. We're talking about more important things. We're talking about eternal, eternal things. We're talking about God's precepts. We're talking about God's righteousness. That's more important. We're talking about the family and the woman and the people that God has given us to protect and to provide for. That's far more important. And that's something that we can learn from this man. At the end of all the responses, everything that he's done, everything that he said, he then doesn't send her empty-handed. He sends her off with her hands full of provision for her and for her family. I think that's incredible. Can I have the worship team come up, please? Every great story needs a great hero. We all know that. And he's, he's the hero of this story, I think. He's, he's awesome. I've only just touched on a few verses. I know other people will touch on him later. And uh, we'll see more of this man. I think it's exciting. So come back. Come back to hear more about Boaz. Because uh, he is the man. He is, he's, he's, he's the dude. I tell you, he's awesome. However, he may be a hero in the story. But the true hero of this story is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the hero of the entire Bible. And sometimes the Bible uses characters and figures and types of Christ to represent Christ. And in this case, one of the things that I want you to take away from the series is this, that when you see Boaz's reaction, when you see his faithfulness, when you see his righteousness, when you see his strength, that's Christ. That's God trying to teach us about what Jesus is like. He wants us to come to him as Ruth went to Boaz. Because he too wants to cover us with his presence. I mean, who has experienced this? When you've come to God, you experience his presence. You experience a God that never leaves you, never forsakes you, walks with you every day of your life. Even when you don't feel him, even when you think he's not there, you look back and you realize that all you can see is his goodness. We come to a God who covers us with his presence. And that's an incredible, incredible privilege. When we come to God, we never ever have to do one more hour alone. We get the, the provision and we get the direction and we get the presence of a father that we all need and crave. As Boaz covered her with his, with, with his presence, so God covers us with his presence. As Boaz covered Ruth with his righteousness, and this is the best part of it all, 
Christ also covers us with his righteousness. It's that incredible exchange that took place on the cross some 2,000 years ago. We give him our sin, our filth, our need, our vulnerability, all that's dirty, all that's disgusting, all the sins that we've committed, all the sins that other people have committed against us. We give him all that. He takes it all from us. And then he covers us with righteousness, with purity, with wholeness, with holiness. That's awesome. And finally, that provision we can then experience a Father and a God who never leaves us, never forsakes us and always provides for us. Always gives us what we need. Always gives us our daily bread. As Ruth came to Boaz and Boaz was able to lavish all these blessings on her. That's exactly what Jesus Christ wants to do for us. That's an incredible, incredible story of the goodness and the magnitude of God and all that He wants to do for us, and all that He is for us. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen, and God bless.